I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. This week is a very special edition of Mid-South Moments. We have our very first guest host. So we have Zeus King joining me all the way from Greensboro, North Carolina, which is obviously complete Ric Flair country and four horsemen land. Um, he's a presenter of Mark Out Mania on YouTube every Saturday morning, um, which you can find via the Texan Spaniard YouTube channel. Um, there are about 81 episodes in so far, and this is usually available weekly. So Zeus, over to you. Thank you very much for appearing on the show today. Thank you for having me, Stephen. No, my pleasure. Um, so what I would like to sort of go through first is how did you sort of get, what, where did your fandom in professional wrestling start? What was it like as a kid and sort of what drew you into this, this sport in the first place, really? Well, so, uh, you know, growing up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, um, you know, we got um, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling and we also got um, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Okay, yeah. So we we had that right off the bat, uh, I remember, from the 1970s. And uh, so the the first world champion I remember was... This is, I was going to ask you this, actually. So that's, I'm glad you, you've, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the first NWA world champion I, I remember was Harley Race. Hmm. Great. So that this would have been, so what sort of year would that have been? Is that which is the mid-70s? Probably mid- would have been 1975, Okay, seventy six probably. So, um, what what was the TV like? Was it a week? Was it was it? So you used to get Mid Atlantic and Georgia Championship Wrestling. So was Georgia Championship Wrestling the six oh five TBS, or was this before before that then kind of? Well, thing? It was, but that was before before they went to the 05s. Right. Okay. But th- there was such an explosion at times. At times there was wrestling uh, on TBS three times a day. Wow, different they, different promotions then was this? No, like no, it was all no. Georgia stuff. All Georgia, uh, okay. But they would have it like sometimes from from nine to ten on Saturday morning, then again at noon, and then again at six, and then sometime in the very early eighties they started going to the O fives to set themselves up apart as a as a network. That WTBS did. Mm. So, so what was your exposure at the time? So uh, Mid-Atlantic and, and Georgia Championship Wrestling, was, did, was there much exposure to, I mean, to be honest, that's even, I was, I was born in 81. Um, and historically, I don't probably don't too, know too much about territorial wrestling in the 70s. So would, was you, were you exposed to too many other sort of federations at the time? Like, for example, um, what, well, I guess it was the Worldwide Wrestling Federation at the time. Was it on TV at all? Or, or did you see about that in wrestling magazines? Or was it just the kind of Mid-Atlantic well, and Georgia stuff? The, it, when I was very little, it was it was just um, it was just Mid Atlantic and and uh, and Georgia, and then also in the late seventies we started getting world class championship wrestling. Ah, interesting. Okay. So that you know that was as you know that was a just a, an amazing promotion, and just kind of everything blew up in you know, around 1980 to, to 83. And we were getting um, some Florida championship wrestling. Um, 
as well as Mid-Atlantic, uh, as well. And, and there's also another uh, syndicated show from Jim Crockett Promotions, the Worldwide. Okay, uh, yes, yeah. The Worldwide program. And and also they, they were running shows from the WRL studios. And th- those were hosted by Bob Cottle. And okay. that's where... Right, and do, do you remember the famous uh, um, kind of when when Ric Flair and Roddy Piper were were going at it, and they kind of had an imp, impromptu like Greco-Roman wrestling match? You no, know, I don't like, know. About this. So this is this is pre-Piper going to the WWF in what eighty five, eighty four, eighty five. Oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think he went uh, he went in like eighty. 80, early 84, because he left yep. after Starcade 83. Yes, yeah, of course he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so this was like, like right around 1980, and, and Ric Flair and Roddy Piper were just both, you know, just massive egos, and, and uh, you know, it, it like Ric Flair had, had he just come out to talk, and then him and Piper end up in the ring, do, you know, like one guy's down on, you know, an in the in the in the down position and and i mean they went hard and and piper like busted him in the nose pretty good too oh really yeah his nose yeah it was a real so the the wral studios was a real famous uh part of the mid-atlantic um you know broadcasts so what what so what so what talked about sort of early 80s were you uh into sort of some of the wrestling magazines. I know the so obviously I do um, pro wrestling illustrations, and also there was a lot of other magazines that were slightly more inside. Was was that something you were sort of as your fan group, you were involving yourself and in trying to sort of peek behind the curtain, so to speak? And I, I guess our, our follow up question is that is, did you kind of always know it was a work, or did you have a did, was there like a, a light bulb moment where you actually realized, well, actually this is this is pretty similar, or perhaps you had an older family member or something that kind of yeah, so actually, this is not quite as it seems, kind of thing. Well, the, the, here the thing was is that there's always other people that were saying things like it's fake or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, no one was ever, no one was ever brave enough to to like go up to a wrestler. No, of course, and, no, and tell yeah. them they were yeah. tell them it's fake. And uh, my my grandmother on my father's side was the one that got me watching it when I was a little kid, and it didn't take much because I really you know I took to it very quickly. But uh, but we'd be sitting there eating a, a cereal called buckwheats. Right. Okay. And and, uh, and when when I was visiting her in Richmond, when it was time for wrestling to come on, she she would change the channel. It wouldn't matter what what I was watching. It's like you know it's time for wrestling. And uh, her her favorites were uh, were Ricky Steamboat and um, and Paul Jones. She has a good and, taste. It's, I don't know too much about. Is that, is that special delivery, Jones? Paul Jones? Is that different? different no, no, person? no. That no. This is number one. Paul Jones who became the manager. Right. And, okay. Yeah. And he was a fantastic uh, wrestler, especially he was huge here in the in the late '60s and all throughout the '70s. Um, just a a really great uh, amateur wrestler that turned into a really great pro wrestler. Um, and uh, yes, the the Pro Wrestling Illustrated was one I loved. Um, uh, also, the it's the the whole family. Uh, you know, everybody called them. We call them after mags now, mm. but 
you know, the, the wrestler and inside wrestling. Inside wrestling. I remember that here. So we, we got inside wrestling probably in about. So it's funny that you said that your father's mother got you into mm-hmm. wrestling because it's the same for me. So my grandmother, my dad's mom, um, was a big wrestling fan here in the 80s where actually the um, we call it it's kind of known as World of Sport. But it wasn't it. World of Sport was a, a show that used to have wrestling and other sports on it but it's kind of been given that moniker as the overall sort of style of wrestling um but there are lots of um kind of grandmothers in the audience there and all the heels would be attacked (laughs) with their their handbags but that's how i started because she really she really really liked it Um, i remember getting inside wrestling here and probably um so i I remember the british wrestling was cancelled on itv in 1988 and i i think we got sky television in 1990 so there's a bit of a gap with no wrestling on itv interestingly for the last year or so one week would be british wrestling from some little town hall with 500 people and the following week would either be wwf superstars or wrestling challenge so i remember inside wrestling interestingly enough in like maybe 1991 and that was kind of like the first peak but like as in I always knew it was a work to some to some degree, even though there were some angles that appeared a little bit, a little bit more real than others. I suppose I don't know. We're skipping about a bit. But do you remember when um, right at the end of Dusty Rose WWF run, um, Dustin was first introduced? And there was an angle with um, Ted DiBiase and Virgil, maybe on Saturday night's main event. I'm mm-hmm. thinking probably around 1990. That just for some reason I got really scared by that, and like, I'd been through like Hulk Hogan being attacked by earthquake, and so like, I didn't really, that didn't bother me. But I think it's because <laughs> someone, someone's son. It's like weird when you're like nine or ten, what actually resonates with you. Uh, but yeah, sorry, going back to early 80s, so inside wrestling and stuff. So you, so you kind of had an understanding that this was this was more of a show. Um, so so talk me through. So when it when things were moving forward, were you sort of a big uh, nwa fan around that sort of early 80s time because i guess there was a big changeover in the programming around the time that georgia championship wrestling switched to wwf was was that quite a big deal when that happened do you remember oh, actually sort of black saturday worst man black saturday was the worst because you know it was so i mean i'd watch some of you know wwf it had, it had started you know syndicating uh, you know some of their programs um, and it was just always these guys who just made it so cheesy. Yeah. And even, even at 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, I'm like, I, I was so used to, you know, more, uh, more of that, you know, mid Atlantic, Texas, Georgia, Florida type of feel. More serious wrestling. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it just, you know, it, it, it was, um, yeah, the, the invasion was, I mean, you know, they were, they were coming to the airwaves and, you know, we had so much wrestling, um, you know, I was watching just about everything and I, you know, they did have some really good guys that I liked. I, I did like, uh, you know, Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotunda. I, yes, I've been a Barry yeah. Wyndham fan from, from day one, even, you know, way back his, uh, his Black Jack Mulligan Jr. days. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, the Rotunda and Williams, uh, I mean, uh, Rotunda and, and Wyndham, you know, uh, lost their, the world tag team title at the first WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, but yeah, the, the, the big personalities and the, the overly done cartoony looking things, um, it, it was, it was, uh, you know, so much different but it was geared for kids 
where, you know, wrestling had always been geared for adults. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a big, again, we don't want to sk- skip forward too far, but this is a big problem. I think that the um, WWE and, and actually wrestling in general now are having, like, how do you get kids to, I mean, I think a, a children, gen- I haven't got any children, um, as of yet that I hope to in the future but I, how do you, I think I think kids will have like a like most kids have a six six months to 12 month period where they watch wrestling and they then they start you know whatever it is the, the, the next thing they go to karate they do something else or whatever it is they play another sport but I think stick getting kids to stick with wrestling in these days when when all of your entertainment choices are so fragmented because of iPads, because of Netflix, and because of actually everyone just kind of watches their own thing without necessarily the big kind of family appointment television that you used to get. I right. just when you hear like NXT, their their main demographics like thirty to fifty five. You think, well, how how are these how is it how are these wrestling companies ever going to get kids to be interested in their product in the way that the WWF did in back then how can they appeal to kids it's cool it's cool uh, you do wonder when i mean my, i'm 38 now and i don't know most of my friends that still watch it and there's only a very small number are probably about the same age or older and i don't know anyone that's younger that watches wwe now so you, you do think well how is that gonna how is that going to be for them in five ten especially five years time when that tv deals up i mean i, I don't i don't really how are they going to do it i guess is the question really well here, here's the thing and this past month, January, okay, I went to Ring of Honor show. Oh, great. Yep. Yep. I went to SmackDown. I went to uh, one, our local, one of our local promotions, America's Most Loved Wrestling. I went to their fifth anniversary show. And then on Monday night, I was at the New Japan show in Durham. Oh, great. How so, was that, actually? How, let, talk to you about the New Before we skip on, how was yeah. the New Japan show? It was amazing. Great. It was so good. And, uh, you know, Marty Skrull came out and yes, uh, out of it. nowhere yeah. challenged Jay White. Yeah. Um, you know, that was that was incredible. And the, the, the Ring of Honor show I was at uh, was the day that Marty announced that he was re-signed with Ring of Honor and was taking over the book. And... Um, and so, you know, it's like I, I got to see two huge, uh, you know, two yeah. huge episodes of of of, uh, of Marty, and then also at the Ring of Honor show, that's uh, Nick Aldis invaded there with uh, with Latimer and uh, and Camille. Mm. So, um, but the um, if you'd like to kind of hear what the demographics were for yes, each of these shows, ahead. yeah, absolutely. So. Ring of Honor and uh, and New Japan were pretty similar. It was, um, I'd say mostly mostly guys between eighteen to forty, and then there's uh, and then some uh, some girls in the same age range, and um, and a and a few kids. Mm. Uh, AML um, is a like I said, it's a local promotion. Um, they had, it, it was a, a big mix of ages, a lot of, a lot of older, a lot of 20 somethings, 30 somethings and, and a lot of kids. Okay. That's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, this is a company that's, that's got stars like, uh, the Dawson's, uh, the Gymnasty Boys, C.W. Anderson. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a blast from the past. Right, Colby Carino, the son of of uh, 
uh, Steve Carino, mm. um, uh, George South. You know, they, they got his ass kicked, you know, a million times in, in the NWA. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the name, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and then at it, SmackDown, SmackDown had every age group, I would say, mostly was um, probably 45 and younger. A yeah. lot of families. And the thing about the, the you know, the, the families that were there, that was a, you could tell it was a family thing for them to watch Raw and SmackDown. That's good. I think that's encouraging. Yeah, that is that that is that is a positive. And and that, and that's what what Vince has been able to build in this vacuum of the last twenty years of not having any real competition for his demographic is he's been able to kind of you know he's been able to 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 wean these people on it. Yeah, so, I think that's true. I think that's completely true. I, sorry, sorry to try. All I was going to say yeah. on that is I think that the interesting thing about the competition thing is that I, especially the three-hour raw um, era, if you like, I found that really, really difficult. And I've, I've, I've basically given up. I, I had a moment where I was like, I don't know why I'm watching this anymore. And it was, I was, I was at the raw after WrestleMania in a Barclays Center. I don't know if you remember this from, the, from this year. Um, this mm-hmm. is when they did the title for title main event with Seth and Kofi. And you think, well, you know, if you've, we've all been watching the rest of the years. You think, actually, this is not really, something stupid is going to happen here. Like, this is not going to be title for title. They're not going to unify the titles tonight. But you think, well, actually, you know, Vince McMahon, he could have woke up this morning and think, I don't want to have two titles anymore, whatever it may be. And actually, they're going right. to do it. And then they have Sheamus and Cesaro come out. And all you get, you get your most loyal, I mean, you've probably got 50% of people in that crowd that have traveled into into new jersey from somewhere uh, yeah into new jersey from somewhere else um, and probably oh, yeah. a lot of that from australia uk you know germany wherever it may be um you've got your most loyal crowd and you, and you don't need you pull that on them and you think what and then you get AEW chance and you name it chance well why why have you done that and i just think there's so much good wrestling out there i don't need to get i don't need to watch wb weekly and get frustrated with it when you've got New Japan, especially, I mean, I've probably watched New Japan fairly closely for maybe the last three or f- uh, probably five or six years. I- I've enjoyed most of what AEW is doing. So actually, you're right, you've got these people in a vacuum of WWE, but actually there's so much stuff else else out there and they're, they're just losing people every single week. So and, and have you heard the recent thing about the house shows? They've really cut down the number of house shows they're going to be running going forward because they're losing money. You just think, well, I, I don't, unless they stumble on a star and I don't, I don't know who that is, um, I'm not sure what the future holds for for WWE, really. I mean, I'm sure they'll be always be okay and they'll always be a company, but you do wonder if they're getting a million and a half for Raw and maybe two million for SmackDown in, in five years, what does that mean for their next TV deals and what does that mean for the industry as a whole, I suppose? Exactly. There, there's all these questions and, you know, uh, you know, the, I'll tell you something. Roman Reigns was extremely popular in Greensboro. Really? Okay, interesting. The, yeah. the crowd was really into it. And also, the Greensboro Coliseum, um, it, it's, it, like, when it's bare bones, like, no stage, in the old days, you could fit, like, 16,000 people in it. Mm. So, and, big place. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, with the, with, with the way the SmackDown stage was... Um, and then on the hard cam, you know, on the hard cam side, on the upper deck, 
okay, on the on the upper level of the Greensburg Coliseum, on that one side, those like three or four sections were were only sold to the first three rows. The right. rest of it was curtained off. But everything on the floor, everything on the rest of the upper deck, so it was like a, maybe 11, 12,000 people there. It was a solid pack. It was a very packed house mm. um, in, in Greensboro, and I was very impressed with it. And so, you know, I, I think less is going to be more with them. It's like, you know, if you're going to do some, you know, if you're going to do some house shows, you know, and and you got to take all that equipment and things with it anyway, you know, maybe maybe start you know, doing something outside the box, you know, maybe, maybe doing something with the, you know, more with the 205. Cause I didn't stay for the 205 live. It's I just, a, it's I a Smackdown just, typing of you. That's right. You... Yeah. I just, yeah. I was like, I was like, you know what? This was a great show. I had a great time. You know, I'm going to beat all the traffic. And yeah. And like, I'm, Get I'm out I, I thought it was a pretty decent show. Um, it was the, the one with the tables match, uh, Roman beat, uh, uh, Bobby Roode in the tables match. And, okay. you know, the, the Usos to beat the, the revival and, um, uh, Lacey and Lacey and Bailey. And that's the one where, um, uh, Otis caught Mandy. So is this when, pre, sorry, I, I'm, I don't, I, I'm not watching week. I, I watched the packages, yeah. but I haven't watched week. So is this pre or post Royal Rumble, this, uh. Pre, so, pre yeah. Royal Rumble. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's just yeah. it's just two weeks ago. It's the the seventeenth. Okay, cool. Well, that's that's good that you had a. I mean, that I, I think I think generally speaking, like the live wrestling, you have to do a lot to to not enjoy it. I, I would say, um, but that's that's good that you that 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 was that was an enjoyable show. And um, jumping back, I just want to go back to some some historical stuff. So, firstly, first WrestleMania was that a where did that register with you? Were you able to watch it? Was it something that was a big deal or or not really? Well, uh, you know, is still there is still a lot of uh, you know resentment, um, mm-hmm. you know, over the Black Saturday, and I, I wasn't I wasn't part of you know Hulk Hogan, you know, I wasn't it, that that wasn't you know really getting to me. Plus the um, um, you know, my parents my parents didn't really care much about you know trying to figure because I think the only way you could see it that first WrestleMania you had to I think you had to go to like uh the the coliseum in winston and and pay f- to see it on yeah, uh, close yeah. circuit mm-hmm. so i don't think any i don't think he you know it's like uh i think pretty sure my parents were totally against the idea of taking me to somewhere to watch a video screen yeah so was <laughs> it so for, is it in you terms know. of your friends and stuff at school this wasn't was this a thing where nobody no probably nobody went to watch it or maybe one a handful or little or it, it just kind of wasn't really on the register for that for that first WrestleMania. The 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 people who talked about WWF it was not until WrestleMania three. Right. Okay. And that was the big. So by then, um, was pay per view in home more of a uh, like a thing that a, it a just, lot of people had access or not not so much kind of thing. Not not so much, but it was starting. Hmm. That was that was the one that. You know, Hogan versus Andre was what made people want to see, uh, you know, the wrestling. Because, you know, Andre had always been, you know, a, a legend. He, 
you know, he used to go all over the world. You know, he would come, he would come to the Carolinas. He would come to Georgia. He would go to Florida. He would go to Texas. He would go to Japan. He'd go everywhere. You know, he was like the, the, what everybody says is, you know, he was under, you know, contract with Vince senior, but you know, he had the ability to go kind of anywhere he wanted to. Mm. And, um, and so everybody believed, you know, that, you know, Andre being, you know, was, was pretty much unbeatable. And so, you know, the, the, you know, part of the WWF altering history where, you know, Andre's never been pinned. He's never been body slammed, which was a lie, but you know, none of us knew any better. I, I find that so great. Cause you, you think now, um, I don't know whether you have this as you get older, but for me, like things don't things that are quite a long time ago don't seem that long long ago. So like a <laughs> I don't know a big football match of twenty years ago, I think crikey, I I, feel, I could feel like that was yesterday. And in wrestling, um, actually, what was that Shea Stadium? Was that eighty one? Eighty one, and then you talk about eighty seven for the WrestleMania three I, yeah, match. Yeah, I think it was like eighty or eighty one for the yeah. Big so you're, you're talking eight or not eight uh, what, seven or eight years. Seven years ago, yeah. I mean, what was the, what was the so 2013 was when Punk walked out, wasn't it? At the start of that year, so I mean that isn't that isn't that that doesn't feel that long ago. I remember that. Uh, thir- no, 13 was Punk versus Rock at Raw Rumble, wasn't it? And then it was C- uh, Cena versus Rock two at, at WrestleMania. So I guess I guess the the Rock being involved makes it feel a little bit longer ago. But that's not that doesn't feel that long ago. And you think, well, actually, I'm not gonna if the Rock came back now, you wouldn't people wouldn't forget that they had a match or I know it's a bit different in the internet age, but I just find that, especially in the New York market and people around there would have known about that, that show. So I find that it's just so bizarre that these things, that that sort of stuff was, was able to be done in the, in the, in the sort of mid eighties that you could just promote a match as never having happened before when it happened. Right. But, but we didn't have access to each other. We didn't have any, we had no way, you know, we had, uh, unless, unless there was a kid that moved in from, you know, from, you know, New York, we wouldn't have known, you know, he would have had to have been a wrestling fan and, you know, and say some stuff like, you know, Hey, you know, well, this is, you know, this is bullshit, you know, and, and even then though, would have been skeptical of, of a kid like that. Same yeah, thing. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, would so, be, sorry, it's just, would, would the, yeah. um, would, would the magazines like inside wrestling and places like that, would they have given the game away or would they have played along with that? Oh no, they played right along. Really interesting. Yeah, everything yeah. everything was kayfabe um, in the in the wrestling magazines for a long, long time, and probably until about uh, probably until about you know the two thousands, um, the early two thousands. I, I know when uh, when Wow uh, first started uh, publishing that, you know, and and Bill Apter left Pro Wrestling Illustrated to go there. Um, you know, that was kind of a big deal, uh, you know, especially because I, I remember like Rob Van Dam was mad because they used to make up interviews with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, I I, I never talked to any fucking book <laughs> over there. And, yeah. yeah. They're, they're publishing this bullshit, you know, crap. It's like it's obvious. And if, if you know me, you know, I didn't say this shit. Yeah, that is bizarre in of itself. So she, I guess for Rob Van Dam, that would have been like 96, 97. So, you, you know, that's kind of uh burgeoning internet error isn't it so i think these sort of things can be you know if you if they wanted to interview rob van Dam, they probably could have found out how to quite easily i would have thought so yeah it's just a little bit bizarre um let's go ask a few more historical questions so uh what would you say was your 
sort of favourite period of wrestling? So whether this like might be an old old time when you had access to sort of different promotions or maybe a newer period. What was your sort of favourite um, era, if you like, in wrestling? Um, I mean, probably, probably the the stuff that I remember the most was probably like, you know, around '83. Um, there was so much great stuff going on because, uh, you know, there was Steamboat and Youngblood mm. were amazing. Uh, you know, Ric Flair was chasing his his second world title. Um, uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal, uh versus uh, Steamboat and Youngblood in the Greensboro Coliseum. They turned away sixteen thousand people. Yeah, it's insanity, isn't it? it? Yeah, it shut down traffic for miles it was just gridlocked everywhere in greensboro like they were on the news on tv and on the radio telling people it's sold out don't go to the coliseum don't go near the coliseum turn around go home because you can't get in <clears throat> so that so that would have, they could have done sort of thirty thousand plus for that show then potentially in terms of yeah numbers. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. which is huge 30- yeah yeah absolutely yeah. huge you know, and and it's basically because of that blood feud between, uh, you know, because you know Slaughter and, and Carnotal were so dastardly, and Steamboat and Youngblood were so loved. Mm. So what? So um, what? It, what would you say your? And obviously this is quite subjective. So there's there's kind of, be, I would say more favorite match than best match. But maybe maybe we'll do both actually. If both so, what, so what's your favorite match of all time? And what do you think, in your opinion, obviously, best match is very subjective. Um, sort of best match, favorite match of all time. And they might be the one and the same. Um, well, see, one of the matches that I, I cannot stop watching, if I see it, you know, if I get a chance to watch it, I'll watch it. And Sting versus Ric Flair at the 1990 Great American Bash where Sting wins a title. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. The reaction is incredible, great, isn't it? Yeah. It, I yeah. mean, you talk about that is that is a great payoff match. And, I mean, Sting just I – mean, Sting basically kicks his butt the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Because this Sting had a knee injury, isn't it, Nick? So it was originally – was it supposed to be – I can't remember what it was supposed to be, but he came back after the knee uh, – is that right? He came back after the knee injury and then won the title mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And and so you know, of course, the knee was in question, and yeah, and uh, you know, and and you know, Ric Flair did a little bit, and you know, and, you know, he, he he tried to sneak the win. Scotty Steiner ran down, knocked you know Flair's you know legs off the ropes, and um, you know, but Sting won with the small package, which you know back in those days it's like you never you you were never going to win your your world title with your finisher. You were gonna yeah, have- I love that they did that in WCW and WA. I love, I love, love, love that they used to do those small package and like cradle finishes. I just thought this is, this is such, I'm, I'm a big one for like, I know it can't always be so super sports like, but if this was a sporting contest, you had to pin someone, of course, you're going to try a little funny things like that. And I just love, WWF really never did that. Um, certainly in the eighties, nineties, um, other than maybe match man versus Rick, uh, Rick Flair at WrestleMania eight was, was like a roll up with the tights. But yeah, I love that. So that's, uh, that's a really great choice. Do you know what's funny about that match is that they have a thing on Twitter here where, um, in, in our football, so in soccer, there's a thing called limbs when, um, 
there's a goal scored and you see like the crowd and like all of their arms are going like mad as if they're like not controlled by their body because people are celebrating so hard. And that sting, <laughs> that sting thing when he pins Ric Flair, the crowd just erupts in unison. It's like, you know, their favourite team just won like the Super Bowl, World Series, NBA, ice hockey, you name it. They just won it all in one go. And the crowd, like that is, that's a baby face. You just don't get that in wrestling now, I don't think. Maybe the Daniel Bryan, I think, WrestleMania 30. But you just don't, I don't think you get reactions like that anymore. And I, I, I don't know if that's because baby face is a bit of a lost, lost art in uh, you know, now, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, that's a great pick. So, so w- would you watch that live at the time? Do you remember? Or is, is that something we would get all of the, you know, the big, um, the big, you know, WCW and NWA pay-per-views. Um, and, and we used to, I had, and now what you're talking about, that's, that's when I was at, um, in college at East Carolina university and, you know, I had friends and, you know, they would come over and we would all chip in and, and pay for it and, you know, and, ha- and, and have drinks and food and, yeah, and, amazing. and, you know, enjoy, you know, you know, sometimes six or eight of us together, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a great time. And, um, uh, an- another one, you know, some of those war games were really good. Uh, I love the one, uh, in 1989, it was, um, the Road Warriors with Dr. Death and the Midnight Express against uh, the Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team. That was that's another one of the ones. Oh, I'll, I don't uh, think I've seen that. So the Midnight Express were faces in that match, presumably. Uh, sorry, was it Midnight Express on the face team? You say? Yes. 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 Okay, I didn't know this. Which which combination of the Midnight Express was 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 it at the time? That was Bobby and Stan. Bobby and uh, yeah. Stan. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh wow! So, I didn't know that. Joe, well, I might watch that tomorrow. Now you said that because I I haven't seen that match. I don't think. Oh yeah, Great American Bash 1989. Um, that that was a good one. Then uh, uh, WCW New Japan Super Show number one. Um, the the Steiner Brothers against Hase and Sasaki. Mm. Is that the Tokyo Dome? I think isn't it? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the first WCW um, New Japan combined show, and you know that was huge. They sold out the dome, and uh, you know, and and that match with the, you know, it was like the 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 uh, observer match of the year. Yes, yeah. Joe, I've just read about that recently, and I don't know if you, uh, Chris Charlton, the guy that does, he's a Brit actually as well. He he does the yeah, commentary on New Japan. He's great. Yeah, Love his it. his book, his two books are really really good, and that, he, he, the last one is Eggshells, which is just yes. it's just basically every Tokyo Dome. Um, Matt, uh, event ever which is really if you don't read it it's really really great but yeah that's uh i think i've seen that one but so long ago i need to go back and um need to go back on. there's a there's a spreadsheet online somewhere which is all of the best matches on new japan world but there's so many it's like an impossible task to try and try and get through them uh, but that's i think that's in like the most highly recommended bracket on there basically yeah that that match i i can watch that match a uh, hundred times it's so good um uh, about a year later, a year and a half later, uh, Sasaki came to America. I got to see him against Rick Rude. Oh, incredible. Um, and, and it's funny because uh, it was a house show in Winston-Salem. And, um, you know, it was during that little feud with with Sasaki and Rick Rude. And uh, I made a poster. I drew Sasaki on it. And, 
And, uh, of course, you know, Sasaki wasn't really super defined, but I drew some abs on him anyway, just because okay. it, it looked kind of silly without him. And so uh, Rick Rude came to the ring first with Medusa. And, Rick, you know, I'm holding up the poster because I'm, like, second row. And and he's like, he's like, yeah, it looks more like me than him. And I was like, <laughs> ha-ha, funny. Well, Sasaki comes to the ring, and everybody's cheering. Well, he's not he's he's facing the the other way and he can't see my poster because he uh, okay. he's not turning around because there's rick rude in front of him well rick rude tells him to turn around oh really that's great and he and sasaki's like no 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 funny american he's like i know you you're gonna you're gonna jump me you know if i turn around he's like no 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 turn you know he's like you know spinning his fingers he's like turn around and he turns around and looks, sees my poster, and I'm like, okay, now I love Rick Rude, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's fantastic. That's so good. I mean, that's the sort of stuff you can get at a, 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 a non-TV event. This is brilliant, isn't it? Because you'll remember that, and that's something that w- wouldn't have happened in, like in, a, in, a, in a kind of a TV event. But I think yeah, that's why some of these... Um, some of these non-event, like uh, non-televised events. So we talked about Marty Skrull earlier on. So he he um he used to go to quite a lot of the Rev Pro shows at York Hall, and there was one with him and the Bucks, and I can't remember the. I feel ashamed. I can't remember the guys that were facing, but it was all slapstick, loads of comedy, and then then flying moves at the same time. It's just like you would never see. You might you might get something like that on a PWG show, maybe maybe, but you just wouldn't see a match like that anywhere else other than where the cameras are off and it's just like they the guys can just you know, do what they like and it's just you know it's just out there kind of thing so um back on that subject what's your it sounds like you've been to a lot of live events over the years what have you got a favorite one or actually do you know what you can you if you want to give me a give me a top three favorite live events of all time if they spring if they can spring to mind okay so um the second the second live show I ever went to was NWA house show. And, uh, it was, uh, midnight express against, uh, dynamic dudes. Mm. Okay. Then they had the Samoan SWAT team and the Samoan savage against Tommy rich, Eddie Gilbert and Ranger Ross. They had the Steiners against doom with woman and nitron. Okay. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, the Road Warriors against the Skyscrapers, Sting versus Luger for the U.S. title, and the Great Muta versus Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight wow. title. What a loaded card that was. So do, do you remember roughly what, what sort of year that, that would have been? 1989. November, wow. November 1989. What a, what a card. And yeah. The, the stars on that are unbelievable, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was just, it was amazing. Um, I think, I, I think I want to say Animal was hurt. And so I think it was Animal against Dan Spivey that night. Okay. Um, but still, uh, still, it was overall just amazing. Um, uh, I was a great mood of fan. Uh, I loved that guy from the moment I saw him. I, I'd seen him uh, briefly in Texas in world class where he was super black ninja um and you know when know he that, came actually. i didn't know that he'd, he'd, he'd done a stint in world class he learned something new every day yeah he, uh, he yeah. did he was in the caribbean 
um, with uh, with the Japanese Kendo Nagasaki. Yes, he's just pa- passed away, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and he also um, he also wrestled in Florida as the White Ninja. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, he came to he came to uh, basically Georgia right as um, you know right before the 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 buyout. And, you know, and, you know, became world championship wrestling. But uh, so, you know, he became the great Muta with Gary Hart. And, you know, he had, you know, his ninja painted on his face and he had the great moves and the moonsault and the Asian mist and the the kicks. It's like everything that that Kabuki ever did in his entire career was he had one one hundredth of the athleticism of Muda. Mm. And, you know, with, with the big in, in America, there was a huge ninja craze from in the early eighties also. And so, you know, Teenage he just mutant ninja turtles. Is that part and parcel of that or, or not at all connected? Well, not, not so much, but, um, it kind of, but, but there was like the, there was, um, the ninja movies with mm. Shokasugi. And then there was the, uh, the TV show called The Master with Lee oh, Van Cleef and uh, and a guy that uh, this New York kid that was uh, um, he had been in the TV show called The White Shadow. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, there was, just, you know, ninjas everywhere. There was a there's a great kung fu movie called Five Elemental Ninjas uh, that the Shaw Brothers did. So, you know, Muda just fed into all of this cool stuff. And, um, and so there I am in Dorton arena in, in Raleigh and me and my friend, we love the great Muda and we're like on the fourth row and the rest, the other 12,000 people are solidly behind Ric Flair, who was a baby face at the time on top of it. Yeah. And at one point, um, uh, Muda has, uh, Ric Flair in the, in the, the, reverse Indian death lock and he's snapping down on his back to, to put pressure on the legs and we're chanting Muda Muda. And I'm like the whole damn, everybody can hear us because <laughs> it's dead quiet when, you know, when Ric Flair is not winning and, and Muda looked at us, he pointed at us and then he did the throat, the, the thumb across the throat thing and, and uh, went into the Muda lock, which didn't even have a damn name until years later. Oh, um, okay. And so that was that was a, just an amazing card. Um, um, I, I was at um, I was at the Survivor Series in 2001, where the uh, oh, interesting, the Alliance versus the WWF yeah. was at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to that one. Uh, that was a pretty good show. Uh, Edge Edge beat Test to unify the the U S and intercontinental titles. Mm. Um, the Dudley boys beat the Hardys in the cage to, to, um, to, uh, unify the, the tag team titles. And actually I am for like a brief second, me and a poster of mine I made is actually in the video of that. When, when the, when the Dudleys are coming to the ring, because I made a, a Dudley's poster, like a, is they had a, they had these Doritos at the time called, Doritos 3Ds. And oh I, yeah, I, made, I remember them. Yeah. Yeah, and so I made a a a, a big poster look like a bag of Doritos, but it said Dudley's 3Ds. 
So you're you're an artist as well. I know I saw some bits and pieces on your Twitter as well. So you're you you so obviously clearly you've always been good at this stuff if you you produced these posters over the years. Oh yeah, I mean I I I was drawing like probably I was drawing wrestlers, sharks, and scuba divers was the first things I can remember drawing as a as a uh, okay. little kid. Because That's I love we lo- I, we would we had uh, you know the Jacques Cousteau specials every time they would come on you know I would draw scuba divers and great and, you know great white sharks. Oh, it's very very cool. So what's your what's your number one live show of all time? Then? Or or is one of those your number one? Uh you know it's been so hard because um the last the last four years I've gone to these um. WrestleCade shows, mm. and uh, it, it's it's a whole weekend thing. They have a Friday night show called uh, Showcase of Champions, and I've seen I've gotten to see Pentagon yes, and Phoenix probably, yeah. wrestle, and then the, the Saturday they have a big fan fest, and um, and then that night they have a pay per view, and then Sunday they have like three shows and a panel. And all kinds of stuff like th- this. This past year, they had uh, they they had the Arn Anderson podcast after the pay per view. Oh, um, so it was I take it Conrad Thompson was down there then do it as part of this. I think I've heard yeah. you talk about that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I met I met Great Muda this year. Um, oh wow, that's so cool. And and he wrestled that night. He wrestled George South. Did he? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, last year, I got to meet uh, Ultimo Dragon, who's another one of my favorites, and uh, and he wrestled, uh, he he and Juventud Guerrera uh, wrestled uh, Johnny Mundo and PJ Black. Okay, yeah. And uh, and you know and it's become uh, WrestleGate has become a, a showcase for Taya because she has been in the match of the year the last three years in a row. So, what, so is this is this quite near you then in terms of where, where this takes place? This is this this takes place in Winston Salem. The mm-hmm. same guys that own uh, AML Wrestling, they started Wrestlecade first, and this was their uh, let's see, sixteen was the fifth, seventeen was the sixth. So this was their ninth one. So okay. they started. Nine, nine years ago and what they wanted to do was they wanted to take thanksgiving weekend which used to be used to be originally it was um starcade weekend mm. and then wwf put uh survivor series on thanksgiving night to compete with them and then they used their their bigger presence with the pay-per-view companies to they w uh, nwa had to had to move Starcade to December, mm. and um, and so so the people, the Wrestlecade people, they wanted to bring wrestling back to the Piedmont Triad area, which is our area, um, and you know, and, and have a great weekend for the fans, so they can get you know talent from pretty much anywhere that's not already you know signed you know except for wwe yeah that's great i must say so, i'm when yeah sorry, carry on, carry on, carry on. i was just saying that it gets you know you get people from impact and ring of honor and 
uh, you know, AAA and Lucha Underground and, and, you know, I mean, I've seen so many guys that I've seen, uh, I've seen Ricochet, um, you know, Matt Cross, Shane Strickland, um, uh, uh, Cage, uh, Killer Cross. Um, there's been so many, so many guys that are just about to blow up. Um, and actually four years ago, the first year I went, um, the, and and I, I kind of just found out about it at the last minute. The the Friday night show had a meet and greet with with uh, Pentagon and Cody. Oh, did it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And and that's where they first met. Oh, really? That's so interesting. Because lots of stories around how people have sort of got in touch with Cody and or, or sorry, Cody's got in touch with people, met people, and they've ended up working there. So I met him very briefly. I was just saying, I feel so jealous about these because we don't get much stuff here. I mean, we get a raw taping one yeah. one in the north of England, one in London every year, which I've given up going to long a long time ago. But Cody did a Cody did a thing that was in conjunction with Comrade and Bruce. Uh, Pritchard coming over um, and Cody's by far the coolest wrestler I've ever met um, but we just don't get stuff here we haven't had a, uh, a WWF pay-per-view here since 1992 which is oh, we've had one we had one NXT takeover that I was supposed to go to but I had the flu and couldn't get out of bed so that's an absolute disaster so basically I think I've seen more I, no I don't think I have seen more wrestling shows in North America than I have in the UK because um, I never really got into progress I went to one progress show and I didn't really like it um, it was very odd progress. Um, it's it, lots of it's, it's very been very popular. Rove Pro is good fun because they've got the New Japan links. But the the when you've seen sort of I mean I remember seeing a triple threat of AJ Styles, Marty Skrull, and Will Osprey at New York Hall in front of like fifteen hundred people. When you've seen that, it's kind of tough now because they 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 just don't have access to those um, the bigger names. And well, Will Osprey's doing a few more dates here this year, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just so, uh, and, and you're talking earlier on about getting together with friends for pay-per-view. So we did used to do that quite a bit when I was younger, but obviously the pay-per-views here start at mid, well, that old school WF pay-per-views start at midnight when it was 7 Eastern, I suppose, but right. 8 p.m. Eastern is 1 a.m. So um, it's pretty brutal. The most brutal of all though is UFC pay-per-views is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So if you've got a Conor McGregor fight, it's probably getting in the cage at like half five. So right. it's like, that's, that's, a, and also like big pay, big pay-per-view boxing videos like Mayweather and Hatton was the biggest, I think maybe an anti-Joshua fight might have beaten that now, but Mayweather and Hatton was like 5.30 a.m. in maybe early December. And I think that did nearly a million pay-per-view buys here for a fight that was like, people will stand up all night basically to see our hearts broken and hat and lose so um i know you're, you're an mma guy as well you've sort of into boxing as well so all the kind of combat sports is it mainly wrestling and mixed martial arts yeah and and uh um and kickboxing uh oh great you, you know yeah. the, the you know the glory the glory promotion mm. um I, I stayed up one time uh i had to get up at like two o'clock in the morning to watch a glory four from tokyo See, this is a funny thing. So Tokyo, we get the events in the so that's much better for us. So we so like yeah. um, this morning I watched uh, the New New Beginning in Sapporo show and it started here at nine a.m. So it's absolutely brilliant. So we get to watch wrestling over breakfast. So yeah, I uh, <laughs> the Japan stuff's a bit easy. I think that's why it's getting a bit more pop. So New Japan World, I don't know what the subscribers here are, but it's getting more popular here because it is much easier to follow it follow it along, especially during G one season if you're you've got flexible working or whatever you can watch a show at like 10 30 in the morning and it's done by lunchtime it's, it's pretty perfect and um, before we move forward on to 
uh, just run, running quickly through the Mid South show. Um, there was one other question I was, I was interested in. So, what's your what's your usual weekly, uh, yeah, weekly viewing habits now for for rest? I always find this quite interesting because obviously there's so much choice. Um, well, what how do, I, how do you find your how, how do you how do you spend your time out kind of thing? Yeah, well, uh, so so kind of what I've I've do am am at the point of now is I'm. Wednesday night, I'm kind of flipping. Right, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I and, wish I could do that, but I can't watch anything live, unfortunately. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, and then um, I tried to come back and watch Raw and SmackDown. See, all right, so let me say this. So with the Benoit tragedy and Eddie passing away, and there was a, you know, there was a lot of bad stuff happening around 2005. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I basically had stopped watching sometime around 2006 or 2007. Yes. Yeah. Uh, until until about f- four years ago, and it was it was a friend of mine that got me back in watching. Um, he he'd been watching Lucha Underground, and he was like, "Man, you love this. You got to try it. You got to like trust me." He's like, "If there's anything that you're gonna uh, enjoy uh, in wrestling now, it's it's that." And so, you know, in the off season, the first off season of uh, <coughs> Lucha Underground, I tried watching some Raw, and it was some of that uh, uh, Chris Jericho and uh, and Kevin Owens stuff. Oh yes, yeah. And yeah. and that wasn't bad, but you know, then it just it got old to me really quick, and I, like I was really just kind of barely watching it and passing. And I think. Um, I think I watched some some of the things that that happened with it when AJ Styles first got there, and him him kind of winning the title, uh, for, you know, with it's you know from Cena and and Ambrose and all that mess was going yes. on. Yes, yeah, that's and, quite a big moment I think because I'm sure you're you're probably the same, but having seen AJ Styles for years, sort of in uh, seen that I sort of in and out watch TNA, but that. For someone that used to come over to the UK and do a lot of indie shows, and I'd seen him for years, that that was quite a big moment actually in terms of like I, I actually never really believed that would happen. He, I thought he was a pretty great champion actually for, for, for what I, I was watching fairly religiously back then when he was champion. But yeah, I, I'm sure you probably felt the same when he he finally won it. Yeah, I thought it was a great achievement for a guy who who you know set out you know he was going to do everything his own way, and um, <clears throat> I mean he's always seemed like a a stand-up guy. I know. I know. There's people who you know say this and that about him, but I mean, overall, as as a wrestling personality, um, uh, you know, it's 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 been interesting to see him. You know, from that kid with the short hair and the choker collar, you know, doing the the, the topes, uh, you know, from the from the six-sided ring in, in TNA to, to to now has been a you know, it's it's kind of impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So- so, 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 you, so your Wednesday nights tend to be a bit of a, a flick back and forth. So you're not regularly watching sort of Raw and SmackDown, or are you, are you checking in with bits, or do you, Check, do, just kind your... of checking in with bits. Like if something's, like if the Twitter buzz gets big enough, I might flip to it. And and really going to uh, SmackDown was just kind of well, it's here in town. That I, you know, the tickets were cheap, and I was like, well, let's go. You know, so, you know, I went and I had had a good time, but it ha- it hasn't really made me want to continue watching it. Unlike, I'm sure, most of the people that, that went, I'm sure. I mean, they all knew what was going on and, you know, 
Uh, I'm sure they're they're regular watchers, but uh, but Tuesday night, Tuesday night, I am right there. NWA power. Uh, great. Okay. Yeah. I am I am into the fire. You know. So I'd and love to so, I'd love to get time to watch that, but I just ha- I, I haven't. Any, so I've heard such good things about it, and I think I would really, really enjoy. It. I really like Nick. Obviously, another Brit, Nick Aldis. So I've, I think I would would enjoy that. But yeah, I just hey, haven't had a chance. Not just one Brit. Not just one Brit. Not just two Brit. You got three Brits. You well, got yeah, Stu, yeah. Stu Bennett on commentary. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is killing it. He is killing. It. He has got that that smoking dramatic intensity when he's talking about the matches. You know, and I love that. You yeah, know? He is great. I, I, I do think that they missed a trick with him um, in terms of, I, I thought he was, so I, I don't know if you know this, but there's, there has been British Ring of Honor champions, but there's never been what I would describe. And I think people would look at the Ring of, Ring of Honor title differently as whether that is a, a legitimate world championship or not. It was probably up, up for some debate. But in terms of NWA, WCW or WWE or New Japan, and actually I don't think there's been an All Japan, not that that would necessarily be a world champion now, but there's never been a British world champion. And I thought Wade, British men's world heavyweight champion. Um, and I thought Wade Barrett was going was to be the one, but unfortunately he um, he's not. But it looks like we might get one at WrestleMania, which is interesting, uh, with... Uh, Drew McIntyre, right, and and Marty Skrull might beat Nick Aldis. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that that is true. Would you count Would you count that now as a? I suppose they do call it world champion. It has got the lineage, but it's, I don't know. It's I I feel like those belts were a little bit like um, maybe like an IBO belt in boxing or something. It's obviously a great achievement and fantastic to be head of head of head up of a promotion or something. But I'm just not. Do you know what? Perhaps I'm being a bit pernickety about that. And it is. It is. They're all just one and the same. And it's a it's a wrestling belt. So you know, it's just be happy that they they're there and they've won it. But yeah, it's an it's an interesting. It's, it's a an, big. You yeah. know, there, there is. It, it's kind of so subjective about. Yeah, it really is subjective. Yeah. And you know, but if you think about how big, you know, the the. The NWA has has you know been doing so much to rebuild and and you know try to you know carve out a piece of the pie for themselves, um, you know and I, you know you have debates of this all the time, but the thing is it's like you know when when people try to tell me that the WWE is a world belt, well it it's a it's a it's a huge important title in a huge important company you know but it's not like it's nothing has ever been like the nwa world title was yeah from, you're completely right. from the you're, 40s to the yeah. 80s yeah you're completely right and that, and that and you have that you have that thing even more so because you grew up and that was your that was your world title wasn't it i presume when you when you were growing up that was absolutely whether it be it race or whoever yeah it was not it was the world title the world title yeah yeah exactly anybody yeah, anybody else that said anything about you know, uh, you know their their belt, because even for a long time, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated family didn't recognize the WWF World Title as a World Title. Yeah, they just called it the WWF Champion because they they were like, well, it's a regional belt, and they don't you know, and the, the, you know because the NWA belt, you know, you literally would have to send your you know the, whoever the champion was would literally be going to other places. And, you know, and you're going in and you know you're going to get, you know, paid, but you're getting paid on the fly and you're doing your best to, to do things like putting 
put their best guy over who you're not awfully familiar with because you're not wrestling him all the time, you know, so you've got to, you know, you've got to make him look like he's as good as you, even if you're not going to drop the title to him. Yeah, or, yeah. or you might get stuck in the Caribbean like Ric Flair did, not once but two times, and basically told, if you don't drop that title tonight, we're going to kill you after the match, and you're going to die, and you're never going to make it home. And so he had to drop that title twice. He dropped it to Carlos Colon once, and then uh, once to that other guy. I can't remember his name, but but the, but the, the you know the NWA ended up not not recognizing those. Um, you know, the, the, the phantom switchbacks, but, um, but, you know, and then there was, a you know, there was another, there was like, you know, Harley races eighth world title. I think he won from Ric Flair in Singapore. Yeah. I know, that, I've that, heard about this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like that one took a long time for the NWA to, to officially recognize and, you know, and then like, you know, Tatsumi Fujinami recognized as an NWA world champion, but not a WCW world champion when he beat Ric Flair in the Tokyo Dome. Yes, yes. So yeah. so kind of all of these things, like like right now, I would say that when, when you have the fans' attention, even though there's kind of different levels of world titles, I think kind of the world titles that are out there right now are WWE, um, Impact, um, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Um, you know, I mean, those are those are and and the NWA. I think those are the the top promotions. What people are talking about, what people are kind of recognizing, and you know, I, I think that's I think that's really, you know, when you you know you can't compare you can't compare anybody's audience to WWF WWE audience. No, no. So, you know, it, it it's like does a popularity contest make the world champion? Does that is that what makes it Yeah, the title I don't know champion? really. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I So there's yeah, so I many things. Yeah. yeah I, I, and I think yeah. I think you can make an argument and uh, and have a nice discussion about it without being a smarmy asshole like some people are. No, I agree. I agree completely. I, I was going to say, do, do you think, would you, would you count AEW in that? Or would you, would you say that hasn't got the lineage at the moment to be a, or the history or whatever? You, the, the, interesting what you just said about popularity contests. I also think as well, um, the well cha- the, who, the, who the champion is can make a big difference as to whether that's a... I, um, think, yeah, yeah. I, I, would, put, I, I would put AEW, even though they're, they're brand new, but mm. they're, they're right in there. You know, they, they, you know, Jericho's been traveling all over the world. You know, he's been traveling from from America to Japan and back, and and he's been putting in a lot of work and trying to, you know, uh, you know, make everything as credible as possible. You know, he gave, uh, uh, you know, I thought it was it was kind of an old school move giving a, uh, uh, was Darby all in? Uh, he gave him a, a non title shot, right? Uh, Jungle Boy was the the, the Jungle yeah, Boy. He, yeah, 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 that, that's very match, old yeah. school. That's yes, very old yeah, school because yeah. you know Ric Flair used to give guys non-title shots on, uh, you know, in in the NWA, and it's well, like, well, it's like, well, if you can beat me, then you can get a real title shot. You know, I wish you I know, could prove it's not it a fluke. No, absolutely. I think that Jungle Boy Jericho was a direct 
I don't want to say rip off because everything is everything that's old is new again at some point because you know there's not too many right. new ideas. But I think I wish I could remember. I'm sure Dave Meltzer was talking about this. I think the Jericho Jungle Boy was a direct take from a Ric Flair versus somebody, but I can't think who it was. Uh, but yeah, that that with a similar sort of like if you if you survive ten minutes, um, you'll get a title shot later yeah. on or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I can't think yeah. who it was now. Uh, but no, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The AEW stuff is interesting because obviously I. As, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I'm a, I'm a Fulham supporter and have been, my two big passions in life have always been football since I was, you know, a kid, as young as I can remember, I've always gone. And to have this situation like, a, what, a, a 18 months, year or so ago, where the guy that basically is in charge of, he's not the team manager, but he's, in char- he's basically in charge of like transfers, buying and selling players, is all of a sudden it transpires that he's a big wrestling fan and all of a sudden it transpires that he's signed all these wrestlers. At the same time as Fulham were going through a really bad time and got relegated out of the Premier League. It's like, a, it's a really odd thing. So you get, you get, I'm sure he's posted probably on Instagram today and it's like Tony Khan will say, oh, great result for Fulham today. And you'll look at the likes, it's like Stone Cold Steve Austin is like this. Chris Jones is like, it's like, what is this? This is like the most bizarre, like just this little club in London. I mean, Fulham aren't a, aren't a particularly big football club. In our history, we were always kind of maybe set because we've got we've got promotion and relegation in our in our, in our sport so you there's four divisions of professional football in our, in our uh, country so you've got the premier league and then sort of they're not called one two and three but that's that's behind so we've always been traditionally like a second tier team they're in the premier league for quite a while but then yes yeah, to see this is like this is the most bizarre thing of all time i'm waiting for him to bring a pay-per-view over to our, our old ground but i don't think it's going to happen unfortunately uh, but yeah it's, it's an interesting clashing of worlds i mean i hope that i hope they're successful um, it, it's clear from interviews that's his that's his real passion rather than the rather than the sort of football slash soccer side of it. But yeah. I think it's what WWE needs. WWE needs competition and and it's good for the guys. So um, and actually on the whole, I I quite like what they've done, especially the first five or six weeks. I think the last few weeks has been a bit iffy in certain points. I haven't seen this week's show actually yet. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's an interesting one how that how that develops and long may it continue because we've we've needed this. And I bet it's it's nice for you guys to be seeing wrestling back on TNT again. Oh yeah, and and it's it's I swear I think they have a lot of the same equipment. Mm. You know that they just the the TNT probably just put in in storage because there's like that that long boom camera that's like on a it's like on a forty foot uh, uh, boom that, yeah. that they follow them to the ring with sometimes and do do crowd shots with. I'm like that that's. I'm like that was something that was a unique uh, WCW. There's a lot of feeling of WCW uh, to an AEW show, and yes. uh, yeah. you know, of course, you know, Co- Cody grew up watching a lot of that. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they, well, you know, the people they, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what we want is uh, we just want that that sports that titles mean something they build it up just old school proper wrestling and i think on the whole apart from some of the brandy road stuff they have kind of hit that i just i just hope that i mean it's great news that they've got their tv deal renewed and i think i think that means they're good they're going to be around for the foreseeable yeah. future um they just need someone to someone to really um take off i i think the cody step in that early pay-per-view around not not been a challenge for world title was wrong because i think he could have been the one but then that being said I feel it was me booking it. I'm not sure I'd have Jericho lose for ages because I think once he once he loses that title, I mean you can see a babyface turn for him at some point. But once he loses that title, I think I think it, it it will it will it will wear out. It will outstay its welcome at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean he's he's fantastic. I actually I went to Tokyo Dome 
this year, a few weeks ago, and I bumped, oh. into, Jer- I bumped into Jericho twice. And the first one, he was getting in the lift. So I stayed, I didn't stay for the whole trip at the Tokyo Dome Hotel, but I stayed there for the weekend of the events. And I was getting oh. out of the lift and he was there and I asked for a photo and he said no. And I, that was on the way to the first night of the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm just, I'm not, I've been a fan of this guy. Like, he's not my favourite wrestler of all time, but I've been a fan of this guy for years and years and years. I've just had this dreadful interaction with him. And I was thinking about it for the first half of Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I can't remember what, what match was like, kind of shook me out of this, like, shock at it. Then the next night after the second show, my wife and I were getting into the lift again, and he was standing in there with his son, and actually I was, like, really sheepish, and he actually started speaking to us. And it was really cool, actually, but I didn't, I didn't make the mistake of asking for a photo again, because I think that would have been, <laughs> that would have been what, a big, big mistake. Um, but no, it was, it was great. Hi, if you get a chance to go to Tokyo, it's, the most, it's my oh, favorite place in the whole world. Do, do definitely, it. It's incredible. Definitely it's going someday. Yeah, it's so, it's so, so good. Stay around there as well, because Corican Hall as well. You got, if you get a chance, go and see a show there, because it's like, you, I'm sure you've seen it on TV loads of times, but like, was it 1,500, 600 people? You're, there's not a bad seat in the house. Right, um, it's just it's sort of place you walk into. It's not too many arenas in the world that you walk into and you get shivers up your spine, but that's that's definitely one. Um, so I tell you what, shall we move on to this week's episode of Mid South Wrestling? So before we talk about the actual show, I I know you you so you used to get UWF TV in the mid eighties, I understand. Right, but is is this the first? Have you watched much Mid South before, or um, is this kind of a fairly new for this sort of period of time? Um, it, it's, it's, you see, it's a combination of things It kind of like the way you, your memory plays tricks on you yes, because yeah. I, because I read about it. Okay. In the magazines. And then later in the, in the mid to late nineties, I was, I was doing, you know, I was buying from a tape trader. Ah, interesting. Okay. And so he would stick matches like he would stick like, uh, Ted DiBiase and Steve Williams against, uh maybe like the fantastics from from mid-south and you know there was all kinds of different like he would stick you know pieces and parts uh and you get a you get a tape that was called uh rick flair volume 17 uh be a four-hour tape with an hour and a half of rick flair and then it'd be you know two and a half hours of all kinds of other cool stuff you never knew you wanted to watch so i've i've seen i've seen a a, a good bit of it here and there um and I feel I feel like I'm familiar with it uh, to the point where, um, you know, I, I, I we always knew it was good stuff. We yeah, always yeah. knew it. I mean, because, you know, it's like that's where, you know, we knew we knew that's where, um, you know, the grappler had spent a lot of time and Mr. Wrestling 2 had also spent a lot of time. Yeah. And that's where Magnum came from. And um, uh, I saw Magnum a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, just got to say hello to him one night at, at WrestleCade. And um, uh, so, yeah, so, yes, de- definitely Mid-South, definitely one of the greatest uh, territories uh, in the history of American pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I think I'm probably 12 or 13 episodes in now, and it's just, it's so easy to watch. I mean, you, you do get you do get the odd sort of comedy moment, so sort of so bad it's good, but I guess that is... You're going to get that with any. If you watch a sitcom from 1984, I think you'd probably probably get the same, wouldn't you? Really. So, did you watch the? Yeah, absolutely. Did you watch the YouTube version or the WWE Network version? Is that of interest? Oh, I watched the uh, I watched the YouTube. Yeah, great. Because because there's a there's I think there's only I remember there's two there's two songs that are left. 
I left in. But some of the I WWE think there networks was like have three, like two or three. Yeah, two or three. Which so it's, it's better. So I'm this. The show starts with um. So Boy Pierce, he he his fashion sense is really needs to be seen to be believed. But this week, unfortunately, <laughs> he's only got a. Uh, last the last week I don't even saw on Twitter. He had a purple suit on with like kind of black plaid print on it, which is like just absolutely unbelievable. This week, unfortunately, just a disappointing brown suit. Um, and then we've got Watts, and he's discarded his red turtleneck in favour of a suit. Um, and they explain <laughs> about the TV title tournament, and then we get the bracket. What do you think of this this cardboard bracket with with handwriting oh. on the, the the brackets here? One thing I'll, I'll tell you, you know the 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 graphics in um in wrestling in the 80s were never cutting edge <laughs> no i mean i couldn't believe that this was a this was a this was a this was a on a cardboard and it gets worse later on so what's explains is gonna be a nine-week tournament with 10 wrestlers um he runs through the various matches in the first round and it's terry taylor versus nature boy buddy landell in this 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 uh, during this episode and it was scheduled to be hacksaw jim duggan versus Masa ito now i didn't know anything about this Masa ito guy have you, have you seen him around at all sort of past or after this because i i hadn't heard of him um at all well i think i think that was supposed to be Masa saito right okay okay mr you know or mr saito but yeah, I think that's who that was supposed to be, and that might have been around the time that he got in trouble on the airplane. I'm not oh, sure. Okay, um, so it's, uh, it's difficult to see. Uh, it's difficult to see on the on screen because this this version's got some te- technical difficulties, so I couldn't actually make out what wrestlers were given buys here. Um, but what says that Duggan's not going to be able to compete next week due to a brutal coal miners glove contest that took place against Crush Darso in? Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've discovered during making notes about this that I cannot spell the word Oklahoma no matter how many times I try to. So that's clearly a, a bit of a brain fade for me. Um, so they cut backstage. Coal Miner's glove match. So they explained that Duggan came up with this match apparently and Darso's there wearing the, the Miner's glove backstage. Um, and he said they didn't even care about the match at all and all he wanted to do was put Jim Duggan out. Um, and Darso says that Duggan invented the match and that he beat Duggan with his own coal miner's glove. Um, what did you think of this segment? So they, basically what they run through, they ran through this promo with Darso and they showed a, a clip of the match, but the, the, the match was almost in complete darkness. It looked like the ring had. Oh yeah. Sort of light, yeah. Did you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like they had a lamp. Do you know what I thought it was? And I'm, I'm not sure it wasn't this. I think it was a pool table lamp. Cause it was like a big rectangle thing stuck up high. Yeah. I reckon that, yeah. I reckon they didn't have a proper lamp there, but it was just, yeah, it was bizarre, wasn't it? I'm surprised that actually made air because they could have probably explained that without without that happening. Um, so anyway, it, at, the, at the end of this match, um, Duggan basically climbs up, gets the coal miner's glove, hits Darso with it, um, gets a three count, and Volkov then interferes, um, and Darso takes the glove off Duggan, and then it cuts back. And Watt says they're not going to show any more of the action because all Darso wants to do is brag about the injury caused Duggan. I've noticed watching this um, that, on television, generally speaking, the heels go over, uh, which is quite different from these days. Because actually, uh, and actually, most of the time, I mean, a lot, there's a lot of squash matches and stuff, but you don't, you, don't, you, re- you rarely get a sort of full-on babyface victory in a in a, um, in a in a match versus another proper wrestler rather than a squash, which is, which is an interesting sort of promotional um, tactic. What did you think about? Um, and we'll skip skip around here. What did you think about Bill Watts's commentary during the show? Well, he's uh, he's kind of he's kind of awkward-ish sometimes. Yes. I think. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh. He he's 
I think he, he doesn't know how to switch between... Like, I think he tried to be a commentator instead of being Bill Watts. Yeah, yeah. And he should have just yeah. been Bill Watts. You know, it's like, dude, you, you were never going to be Gordon Soley. Yeah, you know? yeah, I agree. Or you were never going to be Lance Russell. Just be Bill Watts. That's why That's why people are watching you, because you're freaking Bill Watts, and you've done it all, and you were a big, badass cowboy, and you, you kicked butt, you know, for 20-plus years, so... Just be, just be that, just be, you know. Yeah, but, just be that. It's just, I found, I found him, I, I, I found it really difficult for the first two or three episodes with his commentary because he, he constantly, he's almost, he's almost like a, he's almost like a narrator rather than a commentator because he's got, and I'm sure it's not a script, but obviously he knows, he knows all of the angles and what to, what buttons to push, and he's kind of talking along the story as it goes. But actually, after a little while, and I felt exactly same as you when I first saw, I thought, I thought crikey, this is. This is very difficult. This is this is quite tough. But actually, I, he's grown on me a little bit in recent weeks. Um, so they cut they cut to the ring. Jim Ross and Boyd Pierce seem to be alternating between ring announcing duties and commentating. And the the Jim Ross, uh, obviously recognisable voice, but his commentary is just kind of night and day with Boyd Pierce's. Um, first up, we have Crusher Darso versus Tommy Heggie. Um, this is a reference you're probably not going to get, um, Zeus, because. Tommy Heggie looks like a guy called Noel Edmonds, um, who was a big star on BBC television in the mid nineties, uh, and also did our version of Deal or No Deal as well. Um, so that's probably yeah, uh, yeah, some very UK reference there. Um, he, he looks a lot like Colby Carino right now, if you would believe that. Ah, uh, okay, interesting. So Colby <laughs> Carino is also a Noel Edmonds lookalike then, by the sounds of things. Um, exactly. So what says that Darso will appear in the fifth week of the TV tournament against Magnum TA, which will be a tough test for TA. Um, basically, I, that TA has been impressed me so much during this so far. I mean, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of him on DVD, but the, he's just so crisp. And um, I don't know what year. What year was his accent? 86 or 85? I, I can't yes. remember what. Yeah. Uh, no, it was um, 86. 86. I mean, he would have been, I mean, world, uh, definitely sort of world champion and, and just an even bigger star than he actually was. Um, oh, absolutely! I think he would have at least, he would have been NWA World Champion three times minimum. Yeah, definitely. Do you think he could have? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not I've not seen so much much of him, but do you think he could have been the difference with ultimately Jim Crockett staying in, staying in business and not selling to Turner, etc.? Could, could he have been a Hogan level star for them? Do you think? Yes, because people were nuts about Magnum. Yeah. I yeah. mean. It, Magnum TA and, and the Rock and Roll Express were so hugely over, at, you know, for their time in in Crockett. I mean, it it was just it was amazing. I mean, people were just nuts, and I mean, yeah. they were kind of they were kind of the first stars of in in Crockett that we're pulling in a younger audience. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, of course it's very famous, you know, the, the, the training bra thing, but there were young guys who were watching NWA wrestling for the first time because, because the rock and roll express looked like eighties band. They look like yeah. an eighties rock band. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, they were start, they were stars at a kind of a, a, a sort of incredible level, weren't they? And I, I just see Magnum Stage is just, so crisp in the ring and such a, such a such a star. Um, so this this Darso going back to Darso and he um, Darso runs 
the poor guy into the corner of a slam and then drops on the floor before submitting him with a backbreaker in 147. Um, after the break, Watts explains that Cornette's organisation, which, which is him and his mother, are at odds with Mid-South Wrestling as they're trying to force TA and two into defending the tag team titles. Um, I mentioned last week, I don't really like this angle. Uh, so basically, they're doing an angle at the moment where the Midnight Express are trying to force TA and two into defending the tag team titles, and they recap some of this. So last week, they have a non-title match. But this really reminded me of something uh, I thought about later, which was the... Randy Savage Ultimate Warrior stuff from late 1990, early 1991. I think it's just a bad mm-hmm. look for a babyface. Not a babyface is supposed to be like, I'll take anyone on, I'll ex- I'll accept all challenges. But I did, and I didn't really get why. Why would T- they never really explain why TA and Two don't want to let you know defend the titles against the Express here? And I think that's a slight weakness of the storyline. So the the thing about um, I think. I think people kind of remember um, Mr. Wrestling 2's career in uh, in Mid-South with, with kind of mixed feelings because I, I think it kind of where, you know, he became he became the, the old man on the lawn eventually. Yeah. You know, he's, he's yelling at everybody to get off his grass and and he just kind of he kind of fell behind at times, um, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, there was just kind of a you know, a big youth movement in a lot of other places and, and, and even there. And, you know, I think he just kind of, I think he just kind of fell behind. And I think there was a, maybe a few nagging injuries that were, that were kind of keeping him from, from being at his best too. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a, just a strange, it was a strange time in his career, I think. Yeah. I mean, this, this storyline's actually been so far has been good. They, they've had some really classic video packages where, Mr. Wrestling 2 um, is teaching Magnum TA various things and, he, and basically Magnum can't quite get his head around the knee lift. So he's, I think, in a knee lifting a bag of sand um, and he can't split it open and Mr. Wrestling 2 uh, takes over and he splits it open straight away. So it has been good. And actually, this little Midnight Express diversion, because it looks for, for everything that Mr. Wrestling 2 is an eternal Magnum TA straight away, but they, they won the tag team titles from Nightheart and Reed. Um, and this seems to be extending it, which is some good. But though I am expecting any week now for that turn to happen. Um, so this match, yeah. I thought, um, so this, this match was Tom Lentz and Jerry Gray versus Mr. Wrestling 2 and Magnum TA. I I thought that Gray, if we did on, on the subject of lookalike, looked like a little bit of a cross between Greg the Hammer Valentine and Lex Luger. Um, I don't know if you, whether you spotted yeah. that at all, but yeah, definitely maybe. Um, yeah, he yeah he had a, he had a familiar he had a solid eighties look. Yeah, definitely. Maybe a long lost cousin of the both of them. Um, so Matt, what says that on commentary that Magnum has really blossomed under the tutelage of Mister Wrestling Two? Um, one thing I thought here is, so what says, interestingly, that Mid-South Wrestling is, is recognised by the insiders as the greatest wrestling in television in the entire world. So I just wondered, at this time, um, was Bill Watts feeling any pressure at this moment about, uh, this, is, this is just a couple of weeks after Hulk Hogan's first WF title win. Um, I wonder, at this point, did he think this is all going to be a flash in the pan um, and that Mamar couldn't make a success? I mean, this is probably, what, 12, 12 or 13 months before the first WrestleMania. So do you think he was feeling the pressure here? Or, did, or do you think he just thought, oh, this, this guy in New York, doesn't, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's going gonna, gonna to run out of money. Because obviously this is before the big exodus of his, his talent, uh, like junk, Junkyard Dog, etc. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if he was feeling the... I, I think he was just kind of in the grind probably a lot. I don't, I don't know if he had a uh you know any any you know anything beyond you know trying to do the best he could you know i mean that was kind of a 
he was kind of a more blue collar type of person. So mm-hmm. I, I would think that he wouldn't, um, you know, he wouldn't sweat the, the, the big stuff. You know, I think he was trying to, trying to make the, the, you know, week by week because, uh, at this point, um, 1984, um, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, the, the, the Von Erichs, you know, Carrie Von Erich versus Ric Flair, you know, sometime around this this same time. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, this is, and this that is probably was about huge. the time David passed away, isn't it? I guess, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, at this also at this past uh, WrestleCade, they had a uh, a world class panel, and it had guys like uh, Black Bart, uh, Bobby Fulton from the Fantastics, uh, one of their TV production people, uh, Jimmy Garvin from the Freebirds. Uh, you know, of course, he was just Jimmy, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin in world class. They had uh, uh, Rick Hazard, the referee, Lord, uh, uh, what was his name? Um, James Bleers, what was his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right, yeah. 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 And so they had all the, they had all these people, in it, and, you know, they were talking about how huge world class was in 167 countries at one point on TV. Yeah, because they're big stars in like Middle East, aren't they? The Bonnet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so they, you know, it was like it was just, you know, there. I think that I think Bill was probably saying, I know the success is potentially there, and and maybe I'm not at that level, but I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got. Yeah, I suppose he was probably so busy as well that he just had to focus on like television production getting these house shows etc um on david von eric actually i've just looked this up um so david von eric died five days after this 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 episode aired so he died on mm-hmm. the 10th 10th of february and this was um i think i'm right i think it's the wwf ne- sorry wwe network version that all got the dates two days after um mm-hmm. the youtube dates so i don't know whether you know whether you know on this but i did a bit of research and it, it may be that the it dates dependent on which part of the territory this aired in so i've chosen the i've used the WWE network dates which is the 5th of february but i think it aired in in some places in the third do you remember when the uwf tv came on what day of the week it aired on a saturday that's okay yeah almost everything in that i ever saw was either friday saturday or sunday okay and 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 there was there was there was a little bit here and there uh on on friday evening sometimes um but almost everything was exclusively saturday sunday uh, interesting because like i say so, the, so this was this is a sunday and the, the youtube date is a friday so i'd have thought of sunday probably more accurate, but it's just I, it probably doesn't matter but these sort of thing these little, little things like accuracy bothers me if i'm not i'm not getting the dates right but um yeah, that's 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 interesting timing, isn't it? There's so much going on in the world of like literally Hulk Hogan has just won the title, I think, on the 23rd of January, and then obviously David Von Erich, who was another one that was primed to be NWA World Champion, oh, uh, unfortunately passed so away good. a few days later. Yeah, I've seen some bits of stuff of him on the, the world class DVD and stuff, and he, he just again just had star written all over him basically. Um, so this this match, I thought, um, Magnusia and two. Um, crisp tags in and out, fast tags, etc. Some good, good match, some good moves, and I really like the finish here. So um, basically, two uh, tags back out, but he throws lens against the ropes, hits him with his knee lift, and NCA follows up with his great belly to belly suplex for the win, 403. Um, so I thought, yeah, I thought the guys were great here. Um, so after the break, Watt says that he doesn't think there's anything more 
but anything that has more hatred than a divorce um and when a tag team breaks up that's basically the same thing um and this is the recap of the angle with nightheart and reed um so basically there's a match between nightheart and reed i think they said the, is it the marriott center in oklahoma city is that is that one that rings a bell from uh, um, see I, I i'm not as great with with their arenas mm. um uh, it, it, you know, I, I know that they, you know, they, they would run, you know, in different places in Oklahoma and, and Louisiana and, you know, here and there. So, mm. uh, you know, that, that the names of the names of their arenas were, are not etched in my mind like some of the others. No, of course. Uh, so in basically in this, um, they, they, it's interesting, actually, sometimes when they, they don't do this all that often when they show the, this footage from sort of presumably house shows. But uh, they don't set this up sort of hugely well in terms of sort of why is this happening? I guess it's just assumed that there are events that take place outside of the realm of the TV show. I mean, Nightheart um, hits Reed in his clip with his fall away slam finisher, but Reed gets his foot on the ropes. Um, and then Kosha Darso comes out to ringside and gives Reed a football helmet. That's NFL, oh, American football, not there's no helmets in my football. Um, so Reed yeah. puts it on and spears Nightheart in the head twice today. I thought this looked great, to be honest. What did you think of this uh, football helmet spear to the spear to the head? I thought I thought Reed did a great job with this. Oh well, we definitely know where Hogan got the idea to 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 put a fist on a helmet and 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 use it on people. That was definitely yeah. from Butch Reed. Hundred uh, percent. Most people that that I know. Uh, they they do consider the the ultimate part of Butch Reed's career was in Mid South. Yeah, no, I I, I think he's been. I, I mean, I I remember him from early sort of looking back on old early WrestleManias that we I used to get on VHS. But I thought he's been great. I mean, he he, he seems quite. Um, I don't know if strong style is the right word, but his, his offense looks good, crisp, and he, I think he's been really, really good in the match. Interestingly, when they first split up, uh, this is really three or four episodes ago, they it almost seemed like they weren't hadn't decided which one was going face and which one was going heel. Um, <laughs> and because they were, Bill Watts was very positive about both men. And then at some point, a line was drawn last week where it's like, well, actually, Reed is going heel and Nightheart is going babyface. And they started to be more sort of positive about um, Nightheart in a sort of babyface sense. Um, so as they tend to do on this show, one they, they recap an angle, show something, and they they cut straight away to a match involving one of the people in it. So you've got Jim Nightheart in the ring against Larry Santana. Now, I was hoping this was going to be um, a long-lost relative of Tito Santana, but he didn't bear any re- re- resemblance no. to. Um, I, I don't think that that guy knows any Santanas. No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, not at, at, at all. I don't, I, I don't think he knows, a, you know, it, it, now, now. Uh, you know, my, my friend Pedro Boyd, you know, he's uh, uh, his, his father's, uh, you know, he, he's got, you know, one one parents from Texas, one parents from Spain. And of course, you know, you, you know, as well as anybody that the, there's a lot of um, Caucasian Spaniards. So mm. maybe, maybe he was, you know, maybe this Santana was got Spanish lineage. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't remember when I was whether uh, I was going to say former IC champion Tito Santana. I've actually looked that up, which I feel a little bit, a little bit um, ashamed about. But apparently he was a two-time IC champion. I think that was before. That must have been before the WrestleMania years, I presume, when he won that on that title yes. a couple of times. Yeah. Yes. He, that's, he beat yeah. Valentine. I know he beat Valentine once uh, for it. Um, 
and and that you know it was kind of when you know Greg Valentine was you know at, at his at his best he had about you know Greg Valentine had about he had about you know eight about six eight good years that he was really uh, one of the best. Yeah, that's, so. So, so that's the thing. I, I think because what you, we used to have here was that um, around 91, it's probably like 1990, 91, 92, um, there's a company here called Silver Vision that would release all of the WF tapes. They wouldn't do them in any order that made a lot of sense. So I remember the first videotape I ever got was Summertime 88. And then um, maybe it was maybe it was like you, then you get WrestleMania one and then you get like Survivor Series eighty nine or something that would be the next, and I don't know why it was done like that. So you oh would, yeah when they skipped around and they would yeah, give you they, a yeah it was really weird and also, disconjointed things it's like you know and they, and they're all talking they're all talking about what's going on currently and it's like okay I want to see more of this and then it goes to something else it's like yeah ugh. it was it was absolutely bizarre and the other thing as well is they would have a catalog with their upcoming releases. And you would, and it would be like, right, in August, this is coming out, in September, this is coming out. And you'd have some of the matches. So you, it'd be like, um, let's say it was 88. You'd have like WF champion, match of man, Randy Savage, and so-and-so versus so-and-so. And then in 89, it would blow up, well, WF champion, Hulk Hogan versus so And you haven't got, WrestleMania 5 wouldn't be listed because that wouldn't be there yet. But it's like trying to piece together the history of time. And then you eventually managed to get all the tapes. But all this stuff pre-WrestleMania 1, it's like, it's like a big, a kind of a bit of a black hole like the Bob Backlund era and that sort of stuff it just wasn't it isn't really anything that really resonated with me because it's just it was so difficult to find I suppose and that's the thing like stuff like anything pre-WrestleMania 1 and I tell you the other thing that was interesting going back when the network came out Saturday night's main event um what that was never I think there was a best of but there was lots of stuff that happened Saturday night's main event that was never aired in the UK or was pre, kind of pre- pre when it was whatever it was prevalent here so going back and looking at all those angles and stuff it's like you've got this whole new section of history that you just didn't know anything about really which is it's quite interesting i think you you guys have obviously had it had it much easier than us in terms of trying to trying to stay stay abreast of wrestling I, 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 the main thing i'm most jealous about is the pay-per-view start times i'll give anything to change that really <laughs> but anyway, move, moving forward so um Jim I, Hart, hey, I, I'm all for it. If they want to start it earlier on a Saturday afternoon, they used to. Didn't they? they used to do pay per views at like five o'clock. I don't know why they can't. That would be ideal for me. I'd be ten o'clock to one a.m. You can still go to work the next day. So, um, right. yeah, sadly, that's. Uh, I remember WrestleMania eight. WrestleMania eight was the first because so basically back in the day we used to have the pay per views that were. I mean, they weren't all Sundays, but it, they would usually be aired on maybe a day or two tape delay. Um, yeah. But WrestleMania 8 was the first one to ever be shown live, and that was a 10 p.m. start time. But unfortunately, I was—I think I was like 10 or 11, so I didn't stay up for that. Um, my, <laughs> si- my sister did, and she wrote loads of because I wanted to know what happened. I couldn't wait to get to, the, get to school the next day in case anyone had seen it. She, she wrote me loads of notes about it, basically, and told me over breakfast the next morning, which is nice of her. So, yeah. So uh, Jim Norton and um, uh, Larry Santana here. So what's is on about Nightheart's weightlifting? Um, I don't know if you caught this. So in the episode last week, he said that Jim Nightheart had um, basically given his, his son Micah some tips about weightlifting. And he said that Micah had done a 210-pound bench press while he was in the eighth grade, which I called bullshit on last week. <laughs> and I'd be interested in hearing your – I mean, 200 – we don't use we, – we've got a funny old system here because we're miles on the road everything else is metrics that's 95 kilos 
which is a hell of a lot. Of, I think 210 pounds bench press is, is a pretty good going. And I don't think a 13 or 14 year old, unless you're like superhuman, could do that. What's your, was Bill Watts lying about his son's bench press? I'm sure he was probably lying. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we're, we're talking about his son, Eric, right? Uh, no, his son Micah, this was. Not Eric. Oh, not, okay. not Eric. Yeah, Micah. I, I, Eric, I don't know when Eric came on the scene, but I haven't seen I, haven't I don't know if him. Eric ever benched 210 pounds. <clears throat> no, I think that's probably I probably unlikely. And Micah certainly didn't do it at 13 or 14. Right. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely. Uh, now, I remember when I was I was playing uh, American football in, in high school, mm. and um, there were other uh, – you know, 16, 17 year old guys on my team that were, that were bench pressing over 300 pounds. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a, that's, that's still like you're talking two or three, you know, years after that of, of muscle development and body development. Yeah. And they're big, big sort of, uh, you know, post puberty adolescent years, aren't they? In terms of actually you do, especially now, like everyone's everyone, every sort of yeah, younger I mean, you guy's massive. You can really but... talk straight at, at 13 and 14. Yeah. So. I'm not buying that at all. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's I'm glad I'm glad we're in agreement. So Night Heart beat Santana with a fall away time in one forty, which is a total squash. Uh, and then we've got Masaito uh, versus Mike Jackson, and, and that is that's that's Masaito. So is is it? Are we? Are we sh- I don't. I'm, so I I don't know if it is or not actually. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm looking at him right now. And, oh, and okay. it's Mike Jackson. That's he's just got long hair, and you're just not used to seeing him like that. Okay. So they, they are they pronouncing yeah. it not correctly then? They're absolutely mispronouncing it. Ah, okay, well I'm I'm glad to know that now. So, um, so he's up against Mike Jackson. They've been doing a um, a gimmick with him where he loses by DQ every week, us choking the people out. And I I I'm interested to hear what your view on this. So this is maybe the third or fourth time. And actually, interestingly, in the first match, he absolutely dominated. So Rick Rude is is in a uh, young Rick Rude. He's been kind of semi-pushed but the first week um Masasato was up against him and he just he just dominated him Rude didn't get a single thing in but then he choked him out and lost by DQ so I don't like it because if you're looking at this as a real sports thing if this guy was really doing this for a place was boxing or only constantly getting disqualified you wouldn't get more matches but he is and that that grates on me so what, what did you think of this whole this whole thing here with the with the DQ ultimately, and even though Boyd Pierce actually said that he won after the match, but that was not what Watts said. Right, and you see that this is this is kind of where, um, where where some of the where some of the stars just kind of just did whatever the hell they were going to do, and you just had to deal with. It. Um, and and this is kind of, you know, the the 80s were great for a lot of things, but the, the rule book being you know, kind of altered and thrown out because he, he's chopped. He's, he's done, you know, throat strikes, you know, the, the, the finger strikes to the throat of, of Mike Jackson over and over. And that, that's a big no, no, that's, that's an automatic DQ. Mm. And he, even though mid South is, is mid South. I mean, it's still essentially a, 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 an NWA territory, um, you know, that, that, uh, goes by the NWA, you know, rules of, of pro wrestling. Mm. So, how, how, uh, so yeah, so, so uh, Saito is, is doing a lot of, of shady crap and yeah. And it's, you know, like you say, he grabs him in there for that choke and, 
you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan, but it's, it's interesting actually because he, they're saying that he now is not going to be fighting Duggan, who they, who what's consistently calls Dugan, um, which has <laughs> basically ended up with me calling him Dugan now. Um, one of my friends is podcast was like, I thought it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Why are you saying Dugan? I was like, it's just the thing that now is, now is I can't get it out of my head. Um, but, right. but basically, because he's injured, Grizzly Smith has made a substitution, and now Leaping Lanny Poffo will face him instead. Um, it's just Poffo was was put, being pushed a bit, and they were doing an angle with Mr. Wrestling 2, where actually Randy Savage popped up um, in a video package, but they've just dropped it since. So I don't know... I think Randy didn't come into WF until a bit later than the first WrestleMania. I don't think he was around in the first WrestleMania, but he, um, so I don't know what's happened in the background there, but it's interesting. That, and he lost, he lost a match uh, last week to Buddy Landell, which I thought was a bit surprising. Anyway, he's, he's going to take the match next week. Um, so it's interesting whether that choke will be used in that match or whether actually Poff uh, and will be DQ to Poffer will advance. Um, so during this, he talks about uh, what's, during the during the match, what talks about um, JYD um, and no, sorry, wrong, wrong bit. So what's his credits talks about during this during this match that a DQ will be no good for Saito because that means he wouldn't be able to advance and wouldn't get the ten ten thousand dollar prize. Um, he also says amused, I don't even caught this that mid set the mid south directors have been studying the film um, because they want to know exactly what it is he's doing to rupture people's veins in their necks. I'm not sure that like a TV camera operator or a director of a wrestling show will be able to fully establish what medical thing he's doing on someone to, to sort of cut off their or break or rupture their veins in their necks. Um, anyway, the bell stands in 140 and once again, he's disqualified. Um, after the break, uh, we're back at the desk and Watts says, I guess when you've got it, you know you've got it. And that Terry Taylor is a good looking young man who has captured the hearts of all the ladies in Mid-South. Uh, and then Taylor, and he says that Taylor was at a photo shoot the other day, and they're going to show some highlights of this set to freeze, fa- freeze frame. Um, are you, were you all familiar with this song? I don't, I, I, I don't, oh I don't, yeah, oh okay. yeah, it, yeah. You heard, you heard freeze frame. That was a, yeah. that was a fun, a fun pop hit back in the, in the, in the early eighties for sure. So what's, uh, sorry, the, how did you pronounce the, the band's name? Because I, I, I didn't quite catch it. From is it Gellis? Jay, Jay Jealous Band or Jay Gellis Band? Jay Giles. Oh, okay. So neither, basically. Fantastic. Okay, yeah. great. So, yeah. Jay Giles Band. Yes. Jay Giles Band. Brilliant. So that's a uh, third time of asking there. So um, I'm just going to run through. I'm just going to run through this this video package um, as it as it happens. So as I sort of type, as I watch it. So it has Taylor sitting on a movie set chair, lying down topless, some in ring action, laughing while having some makeup applied. There's a classic jacket over the shoulder look while a photo's being taken. A big thumbs up from Taylor. More in-ring action. A little muscle pose, topless. Taylor looks slightly confused. Now he's smiling, folding his arms. Back to the ring and a big flying forearm for a win. Then he walks out of a building to a lovely looking car before it, before it goes back to his win over Volkov, which is a really great moment. That was his debut. Um, and that was on an episode that's actually lost, funny enough. So the episode three or four back from this is not on the network and is completely lost. And there's a few there's a few earlier episodes that are gone. Um, so by this point in the video, the music is growing on me. Uh, there's a big back pose and double bicep from Taylor and then back to him driving the car. This is a theme. They love showing wrestlers driving away in cars. Oh yeah, um, isn't that isn't that a British-made Excalibur? Do you know what? I've no idea, but I'll take I'll take your word for it. It was a lovely looking lovely looking vehicle, whatever. It yeah, was, I'm pretty really sure nice. I'm pretty sure that was one of those handmade uh, Excalibur cars. What did, you, what did you think of the video package? Oh, it it was uh, you know that's as good as 
as it gets in mid south. I mean, yeah. as far as as their type of video packages, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, world class did a lot of stuff like that. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people were doing, um, you know, incorporating, you know, uh, you know, pop and rock songs and and you know, having guys working out and posing and. You know, I mean, they they were they were working, you know, they were working all the angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I bet they didn't pay anyone any rights from this music, but I suppose they probably didn't care back then. Um, well, I presume they wouldn't have done that. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, they did, and that was the whole thing. Is there was, you know, there's decades of of wrestling stealing music from artists that they that no one ever knew how to monetize or control or yeah. or monitor. You know, I mean, you know, geez, I mean, the the, the money that that black Sabbath is probably owed for, uh, for Iron Man is probably staggering. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think that the, the YouTube versions of these, though the quality is not quite as good as the network ones that you do lose a little bit without the music, I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So what's, um, uh, this then says there's someone that doesn't like Terry Taylor very much. That's Nikolai Volkov. And he's going to be up against Joe Savoldi. Um, Ross informs the crowd that Volkov is going to sing the national, Russian national anthem. This, I don't know if you, you think this, this doesn't sound like the version that he used to do in the WWF to me. And I don't know whether he's got like a full array of Russian songs he likes to sing, but it just doesn't no, sound like the he same. Was, it was pretty, he was a pretty simple bruiser. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he, he'd been doing the, the, the Volkov thing for quite a long time, even at this point, I think yeah. it's been close to maybe maybe six or eight years at this point. Yeah, no, definitely because he wasn't he wasn't young during his WF run, was he? I don't I don't believe. Um, so what's is that Volkov will be up against JYD? Um, and what's explains? I think I thought this was really good that he touched on this. That he asked JYD why he's going to be in the tournament, the TV title tournament, when he's already North American champion. And JYD explained to him that he'd like that ten thousand dollar prize. I thought it was actually quite a nice touch from Watts. He does do that from time to time in terms of um, something that you think I, I want. I want this explained, and then he will actually explain it, which is quite good. Um, I thought Volkov was absolutely brutal on Savoldi here. Um, there was one moment where. He lifted him over his head and dropped him the shoulder breaker and he, ne- and he nearly landed on his neck. And also that finisher he hits, which is like a kind of park gorilla press and then into a back breaker. He sort of always really, yeah. really slams him against his knee and he nearly came down on his neck again. Um, so Volker for the, the quick win there. Um, pretty brutal stuff. Um, we've got Terry Taylor and Nature Boy Buddy Landell in the first round of the TV tournament. Um, oh, uh, what, Sorry, go if, ahead. If I may, uh, Joe Savoldi, um, he was... I believe he was a second-generation star. Yeah, they mentioned... It, so I didn't catch this. They mentioned something about... Was it his father or... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he... Um, uh, his father was... Uh, was, was I believe, the, the original Jumping Joe Savoldi. Okay. And, and then th- this was his son. And, uh, and he, he kind of got... Um, uh, moderate success uh, at, at kind of a regional level. Um, there was a promotion called ICW with Randy uh, Savage, isn't it? That was that one. Yeah, and and yeah. It, this was kind of the later the later eighties version of it. Uh, uh, okay. Larry Cameron, Tony Tony Atlas, and uh, Vic Steamboat wrestled there. They dominated their uh, their uh, you know top title picture, but Joseph Baldi. Um, I think it was 
Yeah, ju- I'm looking at his Wikipedia here. Yeah, ju- jumping, um, jumping, uh, jumping Joseph Aldi. Yeah, he died in yeah. uh, 1974, I think. So, his, so his son went on, and and um, yeah, that is his son. Yeah, okay, interesting. So that's, that's kind of interesting there. Yeah, so Joseph Aldi was well, I doesn't say the dates on this unfortunately, but he was world champion in Montreal. Um, so I don't know when that would have been, but that that was quite a big promotion up there. So presumably, yeah, um, probably pretty, in the pretty successful. Yeah, it, I guess yeah. it must must have been. Um, Great. So on to the Terry Taylor Nature Boy, Buddy Landell. I must be honest, I was a little bit disappointed with this one because we had a re- the week before was probably the best match I've seen. I mean, there's no matches that are more than sort of six or seven minutes on the show at all. And that is understandable. But last week, uh, Buddy Landell and Lanny Poffer had a really, really good match. Um, and I was hoping this Terry Taylor and Buddy Landell match would be given a sort of similar sort of time. But it only went um, four minutes 30 um, and Taylor got the win. Um, I thought they had a, had a few good exchanges during this. Well, what did you think of this one? Well, um, you know, I, th- I thought Terry was good at, at being, uh, you know, being a, a a baby face, and you know, he was still kind of, you know, he's still trying to combine, you know, being being tough and and young and and uh, you know, still try to, you know, make the, you know, make the heel, uh, you know, get his heat and everything. Uh, Buddy Buddy Landell was really coming into his own. Um, I, you know, a lot of people really loved Buddy Landell and and said that you know he had a you know he was a potential world champion. I I just never felt that way. I, I'm not knocking the guy or anything. I just I'm talking about like back at the time. I never would have thought that you know that they would have put him as a world champion anywhere. Was it too close to the Rick? Was it too close a gimmick to Rick? Because I know they feuded over this, didn't they? In, in late, yeah, late yeah, they did yeah. in, in Mid Atlantic. They did, uh, and that's that's where um, Buddy Landell went to after this. Mm. Um, and but I, 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 uh, I don't know. I just didn't quite see. I mean, it was because there was there was so much Rick Flair in his act and yeah. and everything it, it you know it's kind of hard to imagine you know here's this you know really southern sounding rick flair yes uh, i haven't heard a promo from him yet actually that's interesting i didn't i didn't know that he was a uh, sort, of, sort of southern style um promo so that's interesting but his hair was like it, it might that must have been a thing to make i i would be i would doubt that his hair was like that anyway Maybe oh no but, no but, it was yeah, that's yeah. humanly radioactive yeah. white blonde yeah and even the start of it was so flair wasn't it but he um yeah I mean it, it was it was a decent little match for sort of four and a half minutes from the two um and then they we have we don't have time for the um, standby match that had Lanny Poffo in it but we do have time for another rock and roll express video <laughs> um this time yeah. to rock and roll by Led Zeppelin are you a Led Zeppelin fan absolutely. Okay, that's that's great. I don't think I'd heard this before, so that that's that, that's good. So I'm just going to run through this. Uh, I'll get your thoughts after. So they like again. They love a car. We so we have a car, a Corvette. Both men are leaning on it. Now one of the doors is open. Here they come walking down an alleyway, in matching t-shirts. There's some in-ring action. Now they're walking to a gate. Same t-shirts on. I hope they've been washed at some point, or perhaps they own many of the same t-shirt. Uh, right. More action. Now standing at two jukeboxes. Why is there two jukeboxes? Is it the same jukebox? Wasn't sure. Um, then they're um, there's two jukeboxes because they only had a limited number of LP records they could put in. There. Oh, okay, so it's the same jukebox, but it's, a stre- it's stretched out into two bits. So there's more choice, basically. Okay, that's, right. that's 
I'm pleased that you aren't able to answer that. So and then they're resting for what appears to be the Mid-South Coliseum. So actually, I made this point on an earlier show. I presume these territories used to share tapes so that they could put these packages together because they so if a wrestler was coming into mid-south and had been in mid-atlantic say for example or memphis or whatever um they were happy to share tapes so that they could set these these uh video packages up otherwise and that i presume it was reciprocal so they you know they could do it each way because because otherwise i guess that these debuting uh, wrestlers wouldn't have any footage i presume yeah i i think there was some of that and and the fact that i i think that um you know, very few people were were actually going to the to, to the trouble of copywriting um, the, the you know these uh, these episodes. Ah, so, so they might have done it without permission, then potentially, maybe. Yeah, I think I think there was probably some of that, and and mm. you know, I think there's also you know a, probably an understanding amongst. Um, you know, amongst the NWA territories, especially that, you know, hey, it's like, you know, don't be a jerk about this to me and I won't be a jerk about that to you. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. That's that's really so, good. So, yeah, that's that, that, I think that makes complete sense. Um, so at the end of the video, we get a big thumbs up from Ricky Morton and the Corvette again. Both men sitting inside. And again, we get the second driving off in a video package. Um, so back to the desk, uh, there's a big bit of cardboard and someone's filled in the winner of the Taylor Landell <laughs> match, which is fantastic. They've crossed out Hacksaw Jim Duggan's name, replaced it with Danny Poffo, and it all leads to one goal, an Olympic-style medallion and $10,000. Um, Boyd Pierce says that next week we have the second match of the TV tournament. Uh, guest commentator is the Junkyard Dog. We'll also see Matt and TA relaxing at home and also wrestling. Um, and I think, did I get this right? They said, and he said some popular girl wrestlers. Is, did, I, did I get that down right? I listened to that back a couple of times, but I couldn't quite get what, what Boyd was saying. Was, was there female wrestling in Mid-South around this time? Don't uh, know. There might have been out. some. It, you know, what, what kind of what it was going on is some of those girls that were doing it were kind of would go um, and try to try to do like a program uh, with or against each other. And then, you know, if, you know, things, you know, invariably cooled off, they would just pack up and go somewhere else. Right, okay, that makes sense. You know, sense. girls like Robin, Robin, uh, Rockin' Robin and and um, Misty Blue and some of those girls were, you know, were probably, you know, the ones that, you know, until, you know, because it was kind of, um, you know, Sensational Sherry and and Wendy Richter and, you know, even even the, you know, the, the whole thing with the WrestleMania, um, you know, with, with Wendy Richter was kind of, kind of what helped bring uh, women's wrestling kind of, you know, make people want to watch it again, yeah. you know, over, it, in a way that, in a way that you would, would, uh, would push it and, and say, Hey, look, you know, we got these great women, not just saying, Oh, you know, because it was kind of a, it was kind of a side thing in a way, but at the same time that, you know, that, that there's women that, that wrestled a, a lot uh, throughout the, throughout the the 50s and the 60s and the 70s you know they just they they did well and they were popular they just never got uh great press or um you know they just kind of kind of just were not remembered as as well as they should have been yeah no quite i kind of i know mildred burke was a big star wasn't she um i had there's there's a book about her isn't there? i don't i think i've ever i'm not sure it's autobiography but i've never never read it but I, i've heard good things about that um so to close the show um 
Pierce run through who the directors and cameramen were. It's almost like they were trying to fill for time here a little bit. Um, I thought it was a pretty good good, good show again. Um, I'm intrigued to find out what happens with the TV title tournament. Um, but I thought that no Jim Cornette or Midnight Express was a bit, a bit of a loss. What did you think? What do you think of this um, this trip down memory lane on Mid-South Wrestling? Oh, it was – I enjoyed watching it. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, you see – you know, you see people, you know, that were that were in, you know, Mid-South that, you know, that moved on and, you know, help, you know, create great things and, in, 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 you know, in other places as well. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was excellent. I mean, the the, the, the athleticism of Butch Reed with those jumping uh, football helmet moves, I mean, it looked effortless for him. Yeah, I, it was I fantastic that. to see that. I would love to have been able to sit, and I don't know whether this exists anywhere, but actually see a, a either a Superdome show or a house show, show where these guys get 15 minutes against each other and actually see some pro- some proper matches and how how that presentation is different from the from the TV show. But yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Um, Zeus, thank you so much for coming on. I really really appreciate it. Before before we go, um, tell everyone again where people can find you. Um, maybe a bit about your, about your artwork and also your Twitter and also your Saturday uh, wrestling show as well. Yeah, so um, so every Saturday morning at uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern time is Mark Out Mania with uh, my friends uh, Pedro Boyd and James Sarno, and we are on the Texan Spaniard YouTube channel. If you search in your YouTube bar for Mark Out Mania, uh, if you see uh, you know. Uh, different ones you'll see the, the 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 name saturday morning attached to it mostly and 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 the the uh, the thumbnails are are full of wrestlers and sometimes artwork and things like that um my twitter and uh, instagram are both at zeus king underscore dark and uh you can check out my uh my art i've done uh, i do all kinds of different styles i do uh kind of portrait style with pointillism i do cartoon comic book styles and caricatures as well so uh you know if, if you're looking for some artwork uh hit me up and uh and i'd really like to say thank you so much for having me on no thank uh, you we'll definitely we'll definitely do this again and whether it's mid-south or any, anything else i've yeah it's been fascinating speaking to you a real sort of clearly a, a real knowledgeable historian of um of professional wrestling so I've, I've had a great time doing this i didn't expect it to go two hours but it's absolutely flown by so i really really appreciate zeus i'm sure we'll chat again soon yeah, it was. It's been a, it's been a great time. I've I really enjoyed it. I can't believe it's been two hours too. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think about my uh, no no not at all. I think about my sort of ten year old self thinking about how like it's just a bit beyond comprehension that you'd be able to have a two hour chat about wrestling with someone that's about five thousand miles away. But that that's uh, that's modern <laughs> technology, isn't it? Yeah. Zeus, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe on iTunes and leave perhaps a five-star review. That would be lovely. Also, if you're interested in guest hosting, please reach out to me on Twitter at MidSouthMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.